Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And yet, God, in His grace, for some reason, saw Samson. And the Bible says, in the very last verse, it says that in these times, every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so God is looking for any man. And he saw something in Solomon, or I keep calling him Solomon. He saw something in Samson that was, that was, there was something there that God could work with. And God was going to work out his will, even in spite of this man's compromise and his sin and his rebellion. everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. We learn today that in spite of Samson's sin and rebellion, God uses him for God's good pleasure. The Spirit of the Lord did not come upon Samson to avenge the hurt feelings of a husband. God's strategy was larger. He was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Therefore, he used this occasion to pour out his spirit on Samson to fight against the Philistines. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. ...that they somehow uh, worked this out between them and his wife to deceive him. And Samson wasn't able to bridle his tongue. This is another indicator, another strong indicator, another unfortunate indicator. A person who can control his or her mouth will often have control over the rest of their body. What does James say? We know this very well. In James chapter 3, beginning in verse 2, let me just read it to you. You can write the reference down. James 3 verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large, they are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue, what, is a little member, and boasts great things. How great a forest, a little fire kindles. And so Samson was, again, he... He didn't have control over his mouth. He's always running in his mouth. That's probably what got him into a lot of the trouble. No self-control. And and usually somebody who doesn't have control over their mouth generally doesn't have control over anything else either. So, verse 19, Then the Spirit of the Lord noticed by grace... I almost wonder if the Holy if they they should have just put there, you know, the scribes should have just put... uh, Then the Spirit of the Lord, by grace 
came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, and he took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back to his father's house. So uh, first off, let's look at the word Ashkelon. That's, that's a, a town right on the, on the coast of the Mediterranean. It was a Philistine city. It was one of the big five Philistine cities. The other ones were Ashdod, Gaza, and Gath, and Ekron. It's about 23 miles south of Timnah, southwest of Timnah, again along the coast. But notice, he he went down to Ashkelon, to another Philistine city. He killed 30 men. Why? Because he lost his bet. Now he's got to come up with the clothing, which he didn't have to begin with. So he goes down and he kills these men. And it doesn't appear that he gave them everything either. Did you notice up above in in, in the verses above, in, in the 13th verse, it says that, he said to them, those 30 men, those Philistines, he said, if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30, that's what was on the line here, was 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. It's interesting that even in Samson's sin and compromise, God would use him to bring about judgment upon the Philistines. And notice, he didn't even follow through with what he was supposed to. He gave them the 30 changes of clothes, but it doesn't mention anything about the 30 changes of linen. So not, not only was he a, had a loud mouth and didn't have control over himself, but he wasn't a man of his word either. He was supposed to provide 30 garments of the 30 lint pieces of linen and the 30 changes of clothing. All he gives them is the 30 changes of clothing. So not even a man of his word either. Sounds like a really nice guy. And yet God in his grace, for some reason, saw Samson. And the Bible says... In the very last verse, it says that in these times, every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so God is looking for any man. And he saw something in Solomon, or I keep calling him Solomon. He saw something in Samson that was, there was, there was something there that God could work with. And God was going to work out his will, even in spite of this man's compromise and his sin and his rebellion. God was still going to use him. And to me, that's the mystery that why God even uses me. Why does he, why does he use you? You know, we, we, may, we may not have sins that are out on our sleeves like, like, like Samson did. I mean, all of his sins were out for everyone to see. Your sins may be internal, things that nobody knows. But you and God. But God knows. We can't fool him. But notice the grace of God that he would use a man even in his compromise to accomplish God's will. Now, what was God's will? God was going to bring judgment upon the Philistines. And why? Is God a racist? I've often heard that. Is God a racist? No, he's not a racist. Well, why did he pick on the Philistines? Why did he drive out the Canaanites? Well, it, it's a long story. You want to sit down and we'll talk? But actually, it's quite simple. It's about sin. God doesn't look at color of skin. He doesn't look at nationality. What he does look at is the heart. That's all God is concerned about is your and my heart. He could care less about anything else. Why? Because we're all created in his image. There's one blood. We all came from Adam. We all came from Noah because Noah's sons and, his, and their wives populated the earth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All of us in this room come from one of those three. Do you know that? One blood. And within that DNA strain, there's enough variability to cover every different color of skin, every different uh, thing that we have, all the different characteristics. And does that surprise you, that there is such a wonderful God like that? He does that. Within the fish, 
you know, within fishes, you know, he's, he's got so many different varieties, but they're all the same. They're all fish, but they're, they're so many different. There's, there's a big difference between a hammerhead and angelfish. There's a big difference between a great white shark and a goldfish. There's a lot of variability between us. And God sees one. He doesn't see many. You're all from one blood. The sooner America gets their eyes off of all this stuff that's going on right now and realize that we're one blood, the better off we will all be. But guess what? There's sin in every single person. I digress. But notice, Samson's wife, verse 20. So Samson doesn't even consummate the marriage. He's, he's angry. So now he, he goes down, he loses the bet, he goes down to Ashkelon, kills the men, doesn't even follow through on his deal. He gives the clothing and he's just ticked off. So he takes off back home to mom and dad. He doesn't even stop. I mean, at that point, he's just so livid, he could care less about consummating the marriage. He's thinking, I'll come back some other day when I'm not so mad. So he takes off. So the father, after some time passes... Notice what it says in verse 20. Samson's wife was given to his companion. The companion that was given to him, which was another Philistine. And I bet the father's going, oh, I'm thankful that he left. He never consummated the marriage. He took off. I didn't want him anyway. I'd much rather have him, you know, be married to Philistine handsome hunk number one. Right? Hmm. But instead of entertaining the Philist, or instead of instead of entertaining the Philistines, now he was going to be at war with them. And notice that the Lord intervened in his life, didn't he? He kept him from making the, one of the biggest mistakes in his life, because then he would be joined to a race of people that God had pronounced judgment on. Again, because they were Philistines, because they were a non-Semitic people, was God again? Was he a racist? No. It's about sin. It's about sin. They had been sinning for a long time. That's one of the reasons why God had brought them up out of Egypt into the area of Canaan. He gave them over 400 years at least, and and more than that, to turn from their idolatry and their wickedness and their sacrificing of babies and their wickedness. And they would not. And God says, it's enough. And I don't care who they were. If they were all collectively engaged in that sin, God, God does not look at color of anything He looks at the heart and he said, I'm done with this. I've given them ample time to repent. Scary thing, isn't it? God knows. He knows when we've crossed that line. We don't always know when we cross that line. We look at other people and we see them getting away with murder. And then we step out, we we, we go one, you know, two miles over the speed limit and we got the gumballs chasing us. And you're like, give me a break, Lord. I was only going six miles over. You can usually go five, they won't bust you, but maybe six or ten. So they pull, you get pulled over and you're like, so many people have gotten away with so much worse and you get the ticket and you get the points off your license and you have to go to the school and you have to be humiliated and fail the test. So, so Samson is just livid and God intervened in his life to protect him from making this huge mistake. You know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about that, doesn't he? He said this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 14. He says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, Samson is certainly acting like an unbeliever, but he is an Israelite, one of of God's chosen people of the tribe of Dan. God still loved him. 
God still had a plan for him. But he would not always, would he? There were certain things where Samson did things, but it was almost like by accident. He kind of was just going by his feelings, and God says, I can still accomplish my will through this man, but boy, he's like a, he's like the, he's like a river, just going like this and up and down, right? And God has his way. He can do it. It's a mystery, isn't it? The mystery of godliness. <laughs> I wonder. So, we ought not to flirt with sin as he did. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, what does it say? It says, abstain from every form of evil. Every form of evil. So we need to be careful. Even in the business dealings that we do. You know, whether you're in business, whether you have a relationship with somebody, don't be unequally yoked. I've known people who have gone and gone into business and someone claimed to be a Christian, but really weren't, wasn't a Christian. Or maybe they are, but they, they were not surrendered to the Lord. And boy, it became a mess really quick. But when you got two people who are really submitted to the Lord, that's why marriage is so wonderful. You know, when you're, when you're equally yoked, it's beautiful. You still have problems, but it's very doable. Very, you can work it out. God can do it. No problem. But boy, when you have one person who's phony or is acting like a Christian, the other one is sold out for the Lord, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And, and, and much less if you're married to an unbeliever. If you can live with them as a believer, praise the Lord. But, you know, you're, the unbeliever could leave you. And then, you know, you, that, that's fine. Let's see here. I think, you know, we can be around unbelievers. We can have friends. We can have acquaintances. But we need to be careful that they don't influence us. We need to influence them. Let me end on this point. We'll get to chapter 15 next week. And probably 16, hopefully. (laughs) Samson ought to have been an influence, a good influence to those 30 men, certainly to this wife and this family. But instead, he just saw a woman led by his eyes. And we last week we looked at you know, Matthew's gospel and other areas in the scripture where it talks about for even a man to look at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her. And ladies, when you look at a man, same thing is true. It doesn't matter. And in our culture, a man looking at another man or a woman looking at another woman and lusting for them, you've committed adultery. But Samson should have been an influence on her if he was really walking with the Lord, if he was really committed and consecrated to the Lord, like he was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord. So we have to be really careful. I remember a number of years ago now, there was a a man at Eastman School of Music. I was going there for graduate school, and I lived in an apartment building right across the street from the Eastman School. And there was another gentleman and a young guy like myself at the time who was in the same guitar department and really gifted, really gifted individual. This, this guy was one of those individuals, just very, he was smart. He was not only smart intellectually, but he was very gifted. I mean, a wonderful guitar player, better, much better than I was. And he wasn't a believer, but I really liked the guy. I really liked him. And I found that as we started to hang out together, certainly I shared with him. Certainly I talked to him about Jesus. But it became apparent as time went on 
that he was really having more of an influence over me than I was over him. He was, he was tolerant to listen, but I found a lot of his mannerisms, a lot of the things, he's very materialistic. And I found myself kind of adopting that same thing. And the Lord stopped me dead in my tracks one day. And he just spoke to my heart. He just, you know, in, in a nutshell, he just basically said, you know, Rob, you're supposed to be an influence to him. As the believer, you need to be an influence in him. But what's happening is his lifestyle, his personality is overruling you. And you're starting to adopt those very same things. And in that moment, I knew that I had to stop hanging out with him. And I did. I just kind of slowly drifted away from him. And that needed to happen because if I, if I wasn't, um, I'd already told him everything. But he was having more of an influence on me. And see, that's what happens when people are unequally yoked. And I love how the Lord intervened in so many ways in Samson's life. All along these chapters, these, this chapter we've been looking at, you know, the Lord is putting these hedges and roadblocks in his way. And if he was astute enough, if he was spiritually discerning, he would have recognized, you know what? <laughs> I'm not in the right place. And God in his grace intervened, even with the lion. Have you thought about that? He was in a vineyard. He shouldn't have been there. What was he doing in the vineyard? What do you do when you're in a vineyard? When those grapes are practically busting off the vine. He's in there eating grapes. And the Lord's going, really, Samson? Remember when the Lord prepared a fish for Noah or for um, Jonah? <laughs> I think the Lord prepared a lion. But the Lord also said, you know what? I'm going to give you that supernatural strength. I'm going to send you a hindrance. Get the point, Samson. Are you getting the point? As he's tearing that lion apart with his hands, I can almost hear the Lord knocking on his head. You getting it? <laughs> no. I don't get it. And he's just tearing the thing apart like a man, like a man. <laughs> he should have known better. But the Lord in his grace, doesn't he allow, he comes upon him in spite of him. And I find that true in my own life. And I love that about the Lord. But you know what? That's never a license to, to, to be in a place like Samson. That's why these chapters are really, there's more written about Samson, I think, than any other judge. There's four entire chapters devoted to him. And I think there's a lot here for us to learn, especially as men. But even women, there's, there's lessons here for all of us. Being in places we ought not to be, that we know we're not supposed to be. And then the Lord sends something. Uh, uh, you know, I love that verse where it says that, you know, the Lord, um, you know, will with the temptation give us a way of escape. I think there was a lot of temptation in Samson's life and the Lord allowed things to come just to give him a way of escape. The lion was a way of escape. But he continued and he continued after he ripped the thing apart and then time goes by and he comes back and he sees a lion with the honey and the, the bees. Takes it out of there, he eats it. Later on we're going to see in the next chapter that he, you know, actually in, the, in two chapters from now he's going to cut his hair just doesn't really care about the consecration. See, we need to be, we need to care about being consecrated. I think that's one of the things we can take away from Samson's life that we all ought to really examine again. Lord, Lord, consecrate me. I live in a world, and God knows the world that we live in. He knows. 
Folks, let's make a, a decision tonight. You know, it's so easy for us to come, and I'm so glad we can come together. But do you understand, and, and I think we all do, we all understand this, and we'll end, that if we, if we don't act put, actively put these things that we read into our life, we have to think about these things. We can't go home tonight and just think, oh, that was an okay study. Or that was a great study. Whatever you thought of the study, it doesn't really matter. Think about what we read in, the, in the, the lessons. Hopefully we can learn from this man's life. Take it in. Read it again. Listen to it again. And internalize these things. Say, Lord, change me. I don't want to be like Samson. I don't want to be a man who you've, you've, you've destined to do great things in me and then I'm, I'm just kind of aloof and doing my own thing. Think of how much God could have done through him. In his, in his rebellion, in his sin, in his compromise, God used him to kill at least 4,030 Philistines. We'll do the math next week, but it's 4,030 roughly, give or take a handful. How much could he have done with an obedient Samson? A, a, a Samson that was really sold out for the Lord. He did all that in spite of him. What could he have done when, he, when the Lord would come upon him with great strength and, and he would just, I mean, he could be doing that every day. He could be going after a thousand every day if it wasn't for his little jaunts off into the, and Timna and other things looking at the ladies and hanging out in the vineyards. God could have probably done a lot more. Because the Philistines were a plague in the sight of Israel all the way through David. It wasn't until David, much, much later, that they were finally subdued. And they were still around during the time of Hezekiah. They kind of lingered. And they were a problem because they were influencing with their false gods and with their, and the, the Hebrew men were enticed by the ladies. So let's be careful and let's make a determination tonight. Say, Lord, change me. In fact, let's do that. Let's stand together and let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to make us non-Samsons and Samsonettes. <laughs> Amen? Samsonettes and Samsons. Father, we, we come before you tonight very simply just asking, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, to, to as, as we read the word, Lord, we know that your word says that these things are written for our nurture. They're written there for our learning, for our admonition. Lord, to instruct us in righteousness and to warn us even, Father. And so, Lord, we take this tonight, Lord. We realize we live in a culture right now that Samson is playing around with. Lord, we live in that kind of culture. And we live in that kind of environment, Lord, when there's a lot of, there's so much lukewarmness in the church. You know, just in the church in general, not necessarily here, but even including us. Lord, including me, there's, there's lukewarmness in the church in America. And Lord, Samson thrived in a, in a place like that of compromise. Lord, help us to resist these things and have our eyes firmly fixed on you, God. Please do that work in us. Make us holy and acceptable in your sight. We know that we are if we're in Christ. But Lord, practically speaking, every single day, help us to be about your business. Help us to get our eyes off of other things and on to you, Lord, and to be more in your word and spending less time with the media and all the junk that's going around, so much deception, God. Please give us truth and clarity in these times that we live in. May we be able to say, thus saith the Lord, and bypass all the heartache. Lord, that I know for myself, it's such a heartache 
as I look around our country, especially our country, Lord. The world's a mess, but even in our own country, Lord, how far we have slipped, Lord. We have slipped so far. Help us, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.